it is not stated who this quote is attributed to. I would like to believe it was Lars Ulrich, but somebody in Metallica said, I was shitting myself watching this movie. <laughs> so it feels, like a, it feels like Kirk. Welcome to the latest episode of Movies from Green Hell, the movie podcast where we delve into films with heavy metal soundtracks, some terrible stoner movies, and other such nonsense. I'm Dylan, and joining me for this episode is Kit from I Hope You Suffer, and we watched The Devil's Candy. Woo! What's your background with this movie? Because mine is very simple. It was mentioned in a thread about the movie Mandy somewhere online and was recommended or suggested to watch if you viewed Mandy, it just took me a long time to get around to watching it. I'm not sure when I first heard about it, but I was a big fan of the director Sean Burns' first movie, The Loved Ones. Incredible, incredible movie if you haven't seen it. Highly recommended. And uh, yeah, I remember reading like, oh, hey, here's a movie from the same guy, but it's about an artist who's into heavy metal and uh, it deals with, you know, Satan, basically. I was like, oh, hey, I like art and heavy metal and Satan. So, like, I'm in. I'll check that out. To put it lightly, this movie is extremely metal. (laughs) (laughs) It might be, like, the most metal movie we've talked about so far. Certainly much more metal than Jonah Hex. Yes. The opposite of metal. Um, (laughs) uh, I mean, a lot of metal is very stupid, and that movie is very stupid, so maybe it's not that far from it. But in terms of, like, being representative of heavy metal as a genre this movie is extremely bad very very into metallica (laughs) yeah uh yeah we'll get to that so this movie was written and directed by sean byrne uh came out in 2015 i think somewhere around that time it's kind of a, a weird to read about like the um the background and sort of the explanation for the the premise of this film uh because i kind of just took it as that there wasn't that much to it it was about like a cursed painting that this guy was making and the devil was involved and there was a lot of violence but uh evidently this movie is in part an exploration of sean burns own guilt at leaving his family behind for long stretches of time while working and it was also inspired by the nick cave song red right hand Uh, which is not shocking at all because that song is about the devil as far as I know. (laughs) Uh, And this is, uh, was made in your neck of the woods in Texas, right? Was it? I think so. I'm going to look into that real quick. I'll, I'll fact check that. (laughs) I'll say I missed, did I miss Ethan Embry in Texas? (laughs) He is unrecognizable in this movie. He has for, a lot of uh, sweat and long hair and grease <laughs> and paint. For years, I had no idea that was Ethan Embry. And I saw it in the credits and was like, like from Vegas Vacation, Ethan Embry? Like, <laughs> Nico Papagiorgio? Really threw me off. 
Well, I don't know if it was made in Texas, but the movie itself takes place in Texas. So it's, okay. it's fitting that we got you on for this episode uh, well, in the home territory. He's a, the director's Australian. So maybe they okay, yeah, Australia, yeah. which is yeah. like spiritual, spiritually Texan. There is something about Australia that does remind me of Texas. The heat. Yes. And a lot <laughs> of, in both places, there's a lot of things that will kill you. Yep. They've got animals. We've got guns they probably have guns out there too let's be real <laughs> yeah the animals probably have guns <laughs> yeah a fucking brown recluse just like pulling out a revolver those giant spiders the ones that they say are like they're good to have around the house because they kill like rodents and stuff those things probably have guns i last i heard they were not supposed to be in your house because they'll kill you probably before they kill the rodents but like i've seen videos of people removing them from their house and i mean it's horrifying <laughs> those things They're are enormous. like yeah and i bigger than like a fucking tarantula yeah like the size of your face just like hanging out up in the corner like hey pal with that like bulbous ass yeah <laughs> like they have little fists too the yeah, ends of, their, ends of their legs just balled up. It's a known fact that brown recluses will first punch you and then bite you. <laughs> yeah, so you mentioned Ethan Embry as Jesse Hellman, the main character. Uh, his hair is a wig in this movie. It's not real. His hairline no. is not that good in real life. <laughs> no, Ethan Embry has quite the, the hairline. Also featuring uh, Shiri Appleby as his wife, Astrid, uh, Kiera Glasgow as their daughter Zoe, Pruitt Taylor Vince as Ray Smiley, and Tony Amendola as Leonard, who's this like weird uh, art gallery guy who shows up for like five minutes. <laughs> very, very strong, like a uh, Gal from Gorgoroth vibes. Yeah, he's kind of like a combination of him and um, Ned Gazera and the Big Lebowski. Yeah. As, um, what was his name? Uh, Jackie Treehorn. Yeah. <laughs> like, he definitely seems like he is, like, some kind of sex creep like him, but more, like, sophisticated, like, gall. <laughs> classy. Classy sex creep. Yeah. It's like an eyes wide shut situation. Exactly. Pruitt Taylor Vince uh, is probably, outside of Ethan Embry, is probably the second most recognizable name in this movie. Like, I've de he's a that guy. He's a total that guy. He's played a number of, I would say, notable supporting roles uh, in like Mississippi Burning, Jacob's Ladder. I know him from Identity. Oh, he was in Constantine. I didn't know that. Who the huh. fuck is in Constantine? Father Hennessy, named sure. after the uh, cognac. <laughs> he was in Drive Angry. <laughs> I've never seen that. I heard it was very stupid. Yeah, I haven't seen that either. Um, but yeah, he's def he's been in a bunch of things. Uh, I think he was yeah he was Otis in The Walking Dead. <laughs> A, a character that is basically, if I recall, just sort of like his, his defining feature is he's fat and clumsy, just like a very kind of bad stereotype. I'll say I'm not sure because I made it six six episodes into The Walking Dead before I was like, this is trash and I don't want to watch it. Uh, <laughs> and you were smart. Uh, I got through season two and said, this is trash and I do not want to watch it. <laughs> So I got to see Otis shoot a kid. I got to see this guy shoot a child. You still you still got out pretty early. Like, you got out fairly easily. That shit went on, what, they made it 11 seasons, 12 seasons, and 15 spinoffs? Like 
There's still have you seen the new one that has like fucking so your main character now is the guy who beat the fucking Christ out of two of your main <laughs> characters, one theoretically. And now he's your fucking main character in a show that takes place in New York that is very clearly ripping off the escape from New York poster. I saw Joe Bob was like live tweeting one of his, you know, specials and it was like on a Sunday and I was like, what fucking day is it? I saw it was Sunday. I was like, what? what is he doing on Sunday? It's like, oh, we're live tweeting the premiere of the new Walking Dead spinoff. Like, oh my God. Yeah, no thank you. Just end uh, it. I knew that show was going down the shitter before the, by the second episode, because there was such like a drastic drop in quality. Right. <laughs> the first episode, I still think is fantastic. I think it's great. It's so good. I was like, damn, I'm in. This is so good. Second episode, I was like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, episode, episode six, where they like, get to the cdc and the dude's being all weird and then there's like with noah emmerich <laughs> awful awful looking cg explosion oh it's so CDC. bad it's like, so terrible like no i don't think i'm gonna keep up next season <laughs> no michael rooker couldn't even save that season yeah i forgot who's in it yeah he comes back to just show up in like a weird hallucination seed and say some racist words and then disappears again classic yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, I think that show sucks. Uh, I know some folks who have stuck with it. Good for them. I'm happy. More power to them. But back to uh, this movie, uh, and we were talking about Otis, a.k.a. Ray Smiley, a.k.a. Pura Taylor Vince. Uh, he actually turned down the role of Ray as he was receiving an abundance of mad or villainous roles, but the director wrote him an impassioned letter explaining how he needed someone capable of playing, quote, the lost child trapped inside the monster. And it worked. It does pretty well. It's a uh, doesn't hold up great being a like clearly mentally ill man that's you know, yeah. they have running around murdering children, but <laughs> before we like cut get into some more aspects of the movie and whatnot, like what's your overall take on it? Like are you a fan? Do you feel differently about it? Because this was the first time I've I've ever watched it. Oh uh, yeah, I'm a fan. I like it. It does feel a little light, though. Like, there's not quite enough meat on the bone really sink the teeth into. But I think it's pretty good. It's breezy little devil tale that's really dark, and it has a this really kind of sinister vibe, like, always running beneath the surface, you know? Mm-hmm. Which I dig about it. You, you mentioned it's breezy. I think if it was any longer than what it is at like 82 minutes or whatever, I think it would have overstayed its welcome. Like, even if this was 90 minutes, I would have been like, yeah. this long. like the fact that it just sort of like comes and goes is probably, yeah. is probably like a good choice. Uh, I think I'll save more of my comments towards the end, but like, I kind of agree with you. It is kind of lacking in the like substance department. And like, I kind of wanted to like it a lot more. Like I thought it was fine. Like it was enjoyable for it being an 82 minute long. Yeah music video essentially (laughs) (laughs) one thing it does have going obviously is that like visually it looks really nice like it's a very visual heavy film and uh they even i think they got like francesco francovia to do the theatrical poster uh which is really cool and i love that dude's artwork and like i said it's very metal and it's an intrinsic part of this movie's existence the soundtrack is metal two-thirds of the family are metalheads the father and daughter throw up the horns when he drops her off at school i think he did a good job portraying metal dads as being 
really cringy. (laughs) We're just like, God, this guy, why did he have kids? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh, bro, this was like, you clearly weren't ready for this. And you're just, you're trying your best. Yeah. And I had made a joke about how much grease and paint Ethan Embry has on him. Like, I was honestly shocked that they didn't have some like throwaway comment about him being in like a one man, a one man black metal band and a picture of him in like court <laughs> or something like that. Just like um, painting it on while yeah. we're working on one of his pieces. But he is wearing a sun shirt at one point and sun actually plays a very big role in the musical department of this movie. Uh, the members of sun are credited with creating some additional music for the film and the musical track uh during the end of the movie and sort of like the uh the final set piece is titled tmfbsi which is based on sean burns direction to the composer michael yazerski as to what he wanted for the scene what that stands for is totally motherfucking batshit insane (laughs) pretty good direction but besides the two Sun tracks that are in the in the movie, there's two Metallica songs, which is wild that there's I, two Metallica songs in this tiny little independent movie. Right? Like, that has to have been, like, a good chunk of the budget. I would imagine so. I think I read that they had gave them a deal on it or something like that, and we could touch on that when we get to it in the end. But they... The two Metallica songs in this, well, one of them is technically not a Metallica song. It's the Diamond Head cover. Am That's I- why they got a deal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're like, we'll give you this one if you can do the cover. And they're like, fine. And then the other one is For Whom the Bell Tolls. Like, yeah. Alongside that, you have The Devil by PJ Harvey. Not a metal song, but cool that PJ Harvey's in this regardless. Yeah. Uh, Cavalera Conspiracy, Nader Mansour. I don't know who that is. Maybe it's somebody I should know who that is. Uh, uh, I don't know. The first thing that came up for that is Nader Mansour, Practical Bible Teachings and Resources. Was there a church thing in this that I don't remember? (laughs) (laughs) And they had to credit them. Queens of the Stone Age, Spider Bait, Goya, which I actually thought was pretty cool uh, that Goya managed to get a track in here. Uh, Pantera, Slayer, and Aurora Surgeon, whoever that is. The first thing that, like, I noticed about this movie um, was that this and another metal horror movie, Bliss, both feature artists, specifically painters, and sort of their respective journeys through the movies, because they both kind of center around a painting that is, I guess, like a visual metaphor for the main characters and whatnot. And I guess this was, like, right around that time when you had stuff like this, and Bliss, and uh, Mandy, and I'm sure there are a couple other movies that came out that were sort of jumping on that, like, 80s resurgence, late 70s resurgence, kind of a little more, like, moody, very, like, visually distinctive. Don't think this movie looks like those movies. This honestly looks very, like, it's very, like, clean and bright. Uh, It has kind of, um, like, almost like an early... 2000 like late 2000s early 2010s look to it which probably helps like i don't know i think it kind of looks like a rob zombie movie but not as flash almost like if you if you dried out a rob zombie movie (laughs) you know the wave of like 2000s horror remakes kind of look to them it's like that but less yellow if they just took all the yellow out of that look yeah they (laughs) they resaturated it yeah 
the artwork in the movie was painted by Stephen Kasner, who is, uh, according to Sean Byrne, quote, a wonderful artist and a member of the Church of Satan. And he wanted to get as close to the source as they could. And Kasner would send Sean Byrne texts while working on the large master painting for the film saying, he's close. I can feel him. He's upon me. And I'm like, wow, what a fucking nerd. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. Gotta, you gotta get into it, you know? Absolutely. Gotta stay kayfabe. uh, (laughs) All right, well, we'll just get into the plot of it. I, you know, I don't think this is going to be that long to run through, but uh, we open in a very dark house in buttfuck nowhere, Texas. It's so dark. The, the two, like, scenes that take place in a room are so dark yeah like that's i I, so i watched this with my partner sarah and we were just like can you see anything (laughs) i couldn't make out what was going on at all it was like it was impressive like i was like oh they didn't set up any kind of fucking lighting or anything to kind of like pretend dark or whatever they clearly just shot like at night and raised the brightness whatever they could so you could see like the outline of a house. Yeah. (laughs) And there's a large man with a guitar pounding out sun riffs and he gets caught by his wife and then he pushes her down the stairs. The house winds up going out on the market. Uh, The story goes that this lady fell down the stairs and the guy couldn't bear to live without her. And a family of metalheads winds up seeing the house and ultimately buying it from a guy in a very large hat. Um, They're real estate agent in the hat supremely nonchalant about the deaths he's like i guess i gotta tell you about this like lady died here dude killed himself it's a pretty good deal though so like you know the next showing's at 11 o'clock if you don't want this okay is that like a very texas thing to be like yeah you know there's some murders but it's fine we cleaned it out every house it's like every house someone's been murdered in here he's like you got a bible you'll be fine yeah (laughs) Like, here's some um, salt for protection. I do think it is really funny that Sun is literally part of this movie. The whole time, the guy's just going around, and you just hear, like, because they have, like, the dude from Mayhem, Atala, doing a lot of, it's like a lot of the songs feature him on vocals, and it's just, like, this gurgly, awful shit. Like, perfect for this kind of a movie, honestly. Like, oh, yeah. this thing, it's so perfect, but it's, we were just joking and imagining that he's just like whispering and be like, don't forget to get milk at the store. <laughs> just, he had a grocery list that day. You need to get eggs. Bread. <laughs> <laughs> so the old guy, Pruitt Taylor Vince, uh, Ray Smiley is walking into a hotel. He's just, you know, leaking sun out of him. And then, you know, we get back to the family. So it's uh, it's Jesse and what's her name? It's uh, Jesse, Astrid, and Zoe. And uh, the whole time I'm just like, why did this woman marry him? <laughs> like, <laughs> is this what it's like being married to a metal person? You know, <laughs> is this what you plan to do one day? <laughs> if you want to settle down, but just stay like this? <laughs> I, I shower regularly. So this is not yeah. my plan at all. Yeah, it strikes me as a guy that doesn't wear deodorant even when he goes out. Like I said earlier, just like a constant film of grease. He looks like a dude who works in an auto body shop. He just gets home like that and stays like that. 
Like, yeah. he has his own little grease bed that he sleeps in. Like, <laughs> fuck up the, like, family bed. You give yourself a tattoo. The grease is just part of you now. Yeah. <laughs> it's become one. So, but yes, this is what I aspire to. Painting shirtless in a garage while hoping you're, uh, two-man Death Doom project gets off the floor. <laughs> Ray Smiley, uh, who is cursed to play Sun Riffs forever, gets a visit from the cops at the motel. And uh, again, I just, I, like, how is this movie not a meme? Like, I feel like this guy, again, sums up the one-person noise metal act really well. It's just this dude standard just being like, just kind of punching yeah, his like, guitar. His, his At his Motel 6, just playing the same power chord over and over at fucking 3 a.m., this is basically how, like, the dude from Earth started his career. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to shoot up heroin, and I'm going to play some fucking weird notes on this, and one day I'll make money off of it. You just got to stay at it, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I want to make a meme of it, just like that clip of him playing the one riff in a caption that says, and then he called it art. <laughs> so Jesse, uh, in his sun shirt... Uh, starts hearing weird whispers in his daughter's room, and her walls are all decked out with posters for The Clash, Ghost, Bikini Kill, The Melvins, Isis, Black Dahlia Murder, and he finds the imprint of a crucifix behind one of them. This leads him to take off his shirt, slap on a gas mask, and start painting in the garage to what I believe is Slayer. Uh, he gets into it so much that he doesn't hear his wife, and the reveal of what he's been working on is a creepy inverted cross. Ray Smiley shows up at the house and remarks that he has a flying V guitar, just like the one. Yeah. Did the daughter have a tattoo of it? Is that what it was? Uh, so the daughter wanted a red flying V because it's the same guitar that Kirk Hammett has. Yes, because everybody wants to be just like Kirk Hammett. She just wants to hit that whammy bar all the time. So they, they even have like a, earlier when you're driving, he has like little Kirk Hammett bobblehead. Oh my God, the Kirk. <laughs> They're extremely, an extremely Metallica movie. It's when interesting. He's not shirtless, Ethan Embry has like a Master of Puppets shirt on, on mm -hmm. every scene. Uh, they talked about um, Stranger Things on the Toilet of Hell podcast and how like Metallica played such a huge part in... The third was it the third season of it or the fourth season? Five, I think. Jesus I Christ, know. whatever yeah, fucking season. Too many. And they were talking about some of the other metal albums that came out the same year that whatever they used in the way, whatever it is, Master of Puppets. And it was pretty wild, like you know, by comparison, not probably not as successful, but arguably like you know, important or good releases kind of makes me think like couldn't you just have used another metal band that wasn't metallica or one of the big four would have been cheaper <laughs> but i digress this is even, what we have even you could use the big four and just go for anthrax and like i don't know slip them 20 bucks probably i think anthrax would take 20 bucks yeah absolutely you could probably yeah. pay uh you could pay dave mustaine and his uh uh jizz coin or whatever the fuck it's called his <laughs> i completely forgot about that don't blame you, because it's embarrassing as fuck. <laughs> I try not to think about Dave Mustaine. <laughs> I can help it. Ray Smiley is saying he needs to come home, which, you know, this is his, his house, so he's obviously going to come back and do some bad stuff. And he wants to play it loud, so Jesse tells him to fuck off. <laughs> fuck off with your loud playing. I got a painting to do. He slams the door in his face, and I was like, well, that was kind of rude. And then... I had to check myself, like, 
this is a very weird man that just like walked into his home. Like that's, that's not rude. That's fine. <laughs> Arguably, this movie is just like about a weird man engaging with another really weird man. It's like weird man Kramer versus Kramer. <laughs> Uh, so back at the hotel, Ray gets a lecture from a TV preacher. Like, I loved all these old slides of Satan in, in this. It's very yeah. funny. He, like Goya art and stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. He drops off his flying V for the daughter along with an amp. Uh, Dad takes creepy. a digital... Very creepy. Uh, don't take uh, random flying Vs from strangers. Yeah. Kids. If, if there's... A man who looks like a pedophile showing up at your home and dropping off guitars, like, for your child? Don't take it. It's a bad idea. It's such a bummer that the actor just looks like a guy that would be a pedophile. Good casting, though. Yeah. <laughs> and he's not a bad actor. He's a very good actor. He's probably yeah. the highlight of this movie, for me at least. Jesse takes a digital copy of the painting to a studio called Delisle. <laughs> Get it? And the reception. <laughs> it was so obvious. Heavy metal is so stupid. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> and the receptionist, who's basically a Playboy devil, finds some scant interest in it, which means uh, she got to hear a Sun song in her head. Uh, and she's going to tell her boss about it, the guy who owns the uh, gallery. She heard that power cord and was like, all right, I'll take she's a look. Like, she's like, I'm interested in your demo. <laughs> <laughs> when it just sounds like a growling dog farting at the same time. <laughs> uh, Jesse starts to hear more weird shit coming out of his uh, butterfly painting, prompting him to start covering it up with black paint. Also opening one of those bottles with his mouth, which seems like a bad idea. That is extremely toxic, my dude. Yeah, doesn't taste great. While uh, Ray murders a child, who uh, and uh, this happens to be a thing that Jesse paints. Convenient. This is one of those really cool shots in the movie. The kid's like on the swing, and you just see him like lurking in the background of the bushes. Real creepy. And then it cuts and you see the kid coming back on the swing and he gets low enough that it reveals Ray behind him holding that rock. It's like, oh, fuck. That was a good little subversion there because I guess what you're kind of programmed to think is, oh, the kid's just like on, there's going to be a shot where the kid's on the swing and then there's going to be a shot where yeah, the kid's not on the swing. Nope, he bashes yeah. his head in with a rock. Yeah, just going to beat him with a rock. Which I was like, wow, that is grim and grisly. And they just murdered a kid. Well, or he at least knocked him out in a very violent way. It actually gets worse somehow. <laughs> he he, It does. And because Jesse was too busy uh, painting murders, he forgot to pick up his daughter Zoe. So he uh, relents. Bad dad. Bad dad. And allows her to keep the flying V, which she does not play very well. <laughs> Guitar is like 80% looking cool. Playing is like very <laughs> secondary. I, I, is that the existence for the Flying V, for it to just look extremely cool? For the Flying V in general, yeah. Ray takes the kid back to his hotel room to murder with a hacksaw, which he does. So, so obvious about it, because he's carrying in a large human-shaped trash bag over his shoulder into his motel room. 
Yeah, there's like there's nobody sees this. Like the, the the main office person doesn't see this. There's no one walking. I mean, I know it's nighttime, but like just he makes zero effort to try and conceal what he's doing. Just like eh. whatever. Man's on a mission to cut that kid up. It's determined. Uh, and Jesse's painting continues to portray more killings and evil shit, including his daughter on fire. Ray personally <laughs> totally did not see the resemblance and felt like his wife was freaking out about nothing. <laughs> he's like it's fine <laughs> man that's just like a generic white girl like that could be anyone it could, it could be, be any daughter anybody's daughter on fire that it could be any person's uh kid that it's definitely not our kid everything is perfectly fine yeah, and don't worry about it forget don't about be painting dead kids like it's not a big deal this is how we're going to make money to pay for this house, these dead kids, okay? Exactly. Some eggs had to be cracked in order uh, to uh, cook this omelet, and uh, the <laughs> kids <laughs> burning up. Uh, Ray winds up camping out on the side of the road after burying the body, and he has some bad dreams. Because all of these um, potentially murderous, uh, convict, uh, convicting, uh, in, possibly indicting things are, uh, showing up on the, the painting. Uh, Jesse tries to destroy it, but Atala from Mayhem pops in and he goes, no. And he just winds up making it look more fucked up. <laughs> um, Ray shows up in the daughter's bed and attempts to explain that she was supposed to be chosen. And Horrific. Yeah, I would be shitting a brick if this guy just appeared in bed with me. What a stealthy large man. Like, <laughs> like, have you seen, you've seen the new Godzilla movies, right? Yeah. Like, my joke about that first movie is like, no wonder Godzilla got around so easily. He's quiet as a fucking mouse in that right. movie. Like, every time he takes a step, it's like you barely hear it. He's got padded feet like a fucking cat. Like, this dude, same deal. Like, he just sort of like, or like in the old Looney Tunes cartoons when they would have like the larger characters do like the yeah, the it's very much that kind of energy, except creepier because he wants to murder this kid. A little bit creepier. So obviously she screams uh, and he tries to smother her before Astrid runs in. And man, there is just a lot going on over the next few minutes, and it's also extremely dark. So it's a little bit yeah. hard to see what's going so, on again. This is what we were talking about earlier zero idea of what what has happened until you see him like dive into the hallway and like Ethan Embry's grabbing at his ankle and it's like oh wait how did we get here yeah and then he gets kicked in the teeth oh fuck which hurt hurt me uh the police wind up sending uh the family to a motel conveniently the same one that the old dude was staying at I think Jesse sees Black Phillip from The Witch in the darkness, and then we start getting crazy as the as Ray appears out of the ether. Everything goes red, and then Jesse almost kills Astrid with a hammer. Normal. Just, you know, normal. Bad dreams. Get <laughs> some sugar before bed. Yeah. <laughs> he gets All a call. Yeah, yeah. He winds up getting a call that he can show his painting at 2 p.m. to Leonard, the rich art guy who owns uh, the gallery uh, Belial. Apparently, they just have Louis the Thirteenth hanging out the cognac, which is ridiculously expensive because that's what they're like 
drinking like very casually. Uh, Leonard digs uh, Jesse's painting and wants to represent him. Uh, Jesse winds up taking off to pick up his daughter, blows out one of his tires in doing so along with the engine. He tries calling AAA, but Sun is on the other line. So he just starts hoofing it and then finds that the school is virtually empty except for a janitor as his wife gets a call that their daughter has disappeared. Dun, dun. So going, going and asking the janitor and the janitor's like, oh yeah, I saw her get kidnapped about an hour ago. Hey, do you like Metallica? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I love that album. I think they sold out with the Black Album. <laughs> they both just start air guitaring. They both just start talking, and then they're like, oh, man, I just found out my daughter died because I was ta- I, I got into an argument with the janitor about Metallica, which album sucks and which don't. <laughs> it turns out that Zoe has been abducted by Ray, no surprise, and taped up. He strips down and suits up in a big garbage bag and grabs his hacksaw. Very um, professional. While, <laughs> yeah, I do like that in, like, the span of, like, killers in movies, he goes very DIY. Like, he doesn't get, like, you know, like a butcher's outfit. He doesn't get acid like, or anything like that. Just, just packs like, on a garbage trash bag and pops his arms through the sides. And yeah. Like, all right. Fred Flintstoning it. <laughs> Zoe manages to escape from her bindings and gets out of the bathroom. Whoa. Was that your neighbor or was that just someone going by? Uh, that was my, my neighbor going by. Oh, well, don't come back. Yeah, please. <laughs> uh, she manages to get out of the window before Ray can catch her. Jesse and Astrid pick her up at the police precinct, and a cop tells Jesse that the uh, that Ray had previously abducted children and offered them up as a sacrifice to Satan. So they wind up going into the witness protection program. Ray buys some gas and a lighter from a Bucky's, presumably. Not suspicious. Yeah. There he goes. There's yeah, Ray. Taking off. <laughs> While the cops stake out in front of the house to guard the family. Jesse ultimately destroys the painting, and then Ray shows up and crushes one of the cops between two cars and then smashes her head with a rock and does the same to the other cop and takes his gun. Just <laughs> fucking annihilates these cops. Every killer has their like iconic weapon, and for Ray, it's rock. <laughs> Big rock. There's an episode of Batman, the animated series called Almost Got Him, where the Joker, the Penguin, and Poison Ivy and Killer Croc all talk about the various ways that they almost killed Batman. And Killer Croc does not get a vignette because, well, two reasons. One, it's actually Batman in disguise. But when he goes to tell his story, it's simply, I threw a rock at him. And they all just look, oh, Two-Face is there too. And they all just look at him flat-faced. And then he goes, it was a big rock. And that's kind of <laughs> the scene. I mean, it's it's been proven. Cain and Abel. If it ain't broke, don't yeah. fix it. Since time immemorial. <laughs> it's been beaten to death with rocks. And you can do it now to cops. <laughs> so Ray took the gun and Jesse tells his family to run. He tries to attack Ray and gets shot. What did he think was going to happen? Uh, he opens the back room and uh, Ray rather opens up the back room and shoots Astrid in the back or shoots her somewhere and then drags Zoe out of the house, but then comes back in with the gas can and finds the mom crawling out of the back room. He tries to shoot her, but the gun is empty. And so he winds up uh, 
he gets ready to torch the house, but then Jesse wakes up because even though he was shot, movie magic, he's alive. Yeah. They um, just made him tired. They were tired bullets. <laughs> sleepy bullets. Ray lights up the daughter's room in a blaze, intending to burn her alive. And then Jesse uses a ladder to climb up to his daughter's room and proceeds to punch Ray in the face before he disables him by pushing on his bullet wound. This is Ray like pushing his finger into the bullet wound, which like, you know, that always hurts. It's always a big ouchy moment for me in movies. Uh, I'll tell you what, if anyone fingered my gunshot wound, <laughs> definitely, I'm definitely beating them to death. <laughs> I knew you were going to say the gunshot wound, but if you're like, if anybody fingered and I'm like, where's Kit getting fingered? <laughs> Probably wouldn't feel great either. But especially if it was uh, a gunshot wound. He had dipped his finger in salt before he did it too. <laughs> like like yeah. salt, vodka, and lemon juice. <laughs> and tomato paralyzed. juice. You just got a Bloody Mary imported into your wound. <laughs> Ray winds up catching on fire and then Jesse smashes his head in with the flying V and stabs him with the broken neck of the guitar. Extremely cool looking. <laughs> I thought it was a little much. <laughs> it was just like, okay, you wanted to make a movie where someone kills someone with a guitar, basically. 100% my same thought was like, he had this idea specifically, like the image of a man on fire getting beaten to death with a flying V and wanted to build a movie around it. I will say, though, that the flames looked very computer-generated. Like, they were maybe real, yeah. but very dropped in. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're just like, um, your daughter would have, like, suffocated to death already. Just, like, there's so much fire in that room. Everywhere. Like, the only thing not on fire is the bed that she's yeah. on. Which is impressive. It must have been made out of, like, fireproof fucking bedding. Yeah, just, like, fireproof sheets. Uh, then the house explodes into flames, and I have no idea how people are even alive, but they are. They manage to escape from the blaze somehow and survive bleeding out. And then uh, Jesse finds the buried suitcases of dead children that Ray had previously killed and uh, just, like, stares up into the sky and, I guess, sort of has, like, a realization that there's higher powers at work. And then the movie ends and closes out with Metallica's For Whom the Bell Tolls with the, uh, in the end credits. Uh, to whom Sean Byrne can't thank enough because apparently Metallica watched and enjoyed an early cut of the film and then offered the song at a very reasonable rate. Byrne was quoted as saying, once you have the Beatles of metal on your side, all the other bands joined in and allowed us to get a really great soundtrack. Honestly, it, it probably just made Slayer mad. They're like, <laughs> fucking Metallica's gonna be in it. <laughs> Oh, we got to be in it, too. It is not stated who this quote is attributed to. I would like to believe it was Lars Ulrich, but somebody in Metallica said, I was shitting myself watching this movie. <laughs> so it feels, like a, it feels like Kirk. Yeah. And he's probably saying it from like the enthusiastic way. But yeah. If all if it was any one of them, I would say Kirk probably would say that enthusiastically like, oh, man, I was shitting myself. Lars would be like, oh, man, I was shitting myself. So scary. Uh, James would be like, yeah, it was very scary. I was shitting myself. And then I don't think Robert Trujillo would really know what to say. He'd just be like, maybe, um. Maybe like laughing, just giggling. Crab walk. Yeah. <laughs> Crab walks away, out of frame. 
So yeah, overall, I thought it was like pretty fine. You know, I kind of wanted to like it a little bit more. The highlight for me was definitely Pruitt Taylor Vince as Ray Smiley. He was very, really, really good in it. Uh, and the soundtrack is good, obviously. I would kind of describe the movie as like a music video that got stretched out into a movie. Yeah. So, you know, the the guts of the film are very like by the book. There's not really like that many chances taken with the film or with the the story. It's kind of it's very much like a visual atmosphere, but it's like not a very atmospheric movie. You know what I mean? Like yeah. and bliss are much more about atmosphere and vibes. And this is like very character driven, but the characters are not the deepest. So it's kind of like in the middle. It's like a yeah. weird middle point, but you know, I, I have to respect it like for being an independently, generally I'm assuming independently made movie or at least a lower budget made movie. And you managed to somehow get like some really big names in it music wise anyway it's very much just like surface a surface level movie like mm -hmm. there's not it's not literally it's not that deep you know the there's no depth to the characters really uh the visuals aren't like super crazy it's very like vibes light but it does still kind of lean more heavily on the vibes than the storytelling but you know it, it helps definitely that it's like 80 minutes like like we said at the beginning if this was any longer than 80 minutes i think start to drag for sure yeah i think this could have even been like 60 minutes yeah like, to me what it feels like is uh a like an episode of and like i haven't seen a lot of um the show and you know feel free to correct me if i'm wrong but it seems more like it would be an episode of like tales from the crypt or tales from the dark side just Something like kind of like, you know, 45 minutes to an hour long, not super deep, but cool enough, you know, to like yeah. in that time because you you're kind of working with the time restraints. So but ultimately, it's a, a shorter movie. I will give it this, though. It it's paced very well, I think. Yeah, it just moves along. Yeah. It just and, like, and, and it's, it's competently made. Yeah. At least a little interesting happening. So you're always like kind of hooked and it just helps it breeze by yeah and you know that if you showed this to like anybody who has a rem even like a remote interest in heavy metal they'd be like oh this is so cool fucking like pantera and slayer in it you know i'm sure you could <laughs> anybody and they'd be like this is so cool it's definitely more i hate to say this because i like love slayer metallic but it's definitely more like the boomer metal like eddie trunk 80s only kind of stuff so it's, it was kind of surprising that Sun's heavily involved and, like, you know, fucking Attila from Mayhem. Because, like, everything in the movie, like, that you see or, like, that shows up on the soundtrack is very much, like, 80s metalhead stuff. Only. Yeah. Like, big four kind of thing, you know? When you say that, too, like, Sun isn't... They're not really the soundtrack. They're like the evil, you know, they're yeah. like a character in the movie unto themselves. Like they're the voice of Satan or whatever you want to call it. And like, so they're like not even really part of the soundtrack. And that's kind of how like it, you know, is like kind of gets away with incorporating them in it because it's 
you know, Sun is like debatably not music, (laughs) but it is uh, creepy and it works well if you're trying to like, I don't know, portray the voice of the devil in a certain way. Like it's certainly one way to approach it. So yeah, in that regard, very cool that they, you know, cobbled together that like cool soundtrack. But I think in terms of like, if we're talking like more modern movies that have really cool sound, like I think Green Room has a much better like soundtrack that I think simultaneously does not intrude at all on the story, but fits the entire like feel of that movie so well. And, you know, we I, I did a whole episode about it. So if you want to go listen to it, but like that, that has such an incredible soundtrack. So yeah. it is alone in the dark, but that's a fucking terrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> to get it. Yeah. Don't watch that movie. Watch this that's movie so for sure over yes. alone in the dark. Please. It's, it's way more enjoyable. So um, so yeah, that was the devil's candy and, uh, yeah. What else have you been watching kit? What else have I been watching? Great question. I never, I can never remember. I did just get in a couple of things from vinegar syndrome. I just they, did an order today as, as of, yeah. as of today, July 2nd. Uh, did you get a, did you get Gorgo? I did the pre-order for Gorgo and, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> I mean, I was going to put it in my shout out, but like, did you pre-order Showgirls? I haven't. I need to. Yeah, I pre-ordered it and got it, but then they sent out an email that said that there was some kind of defect with the disc. So they put up, they're going to be mailing out replacement discs, and then they gave people who bought it $5 off. So I did the pre-order for Gorgo because Gorgo fucking rocks. Yeah, I saw that. I'm going to order that next paycheck. I already already spent all my fun money, unfortunately. My budget but, uh, reset, so I was like, oh, because uh, Severin's doing their summer sale, yep. too. So I grabbed a bunch of stuff from them as well. I, I wanted to get Bad Biology and, uh, oh, what the hell is it? Last Horror, Last Horror Picture, Last Horror Show? The last the Horror Movie. Last Horror Movie, that one. But, yeah. again, all my, all my fun money's gone. <laughs> yeah, they had those up. Those I I passed on. I wound up getting a bunch of other things. Uh, I got this. I, I think it's I, I think it's Javier Bardem's like debut movie. It's like a fucking yeah. crime movie starring him and Rosie Perez from oh, uh, Durango. Yeah, I've never heard of this movie. I was like, I'm fucking buying this. This sounds I, incredible. <laughs> I haven't seen that one yet, but I love the dude's other movies. I've got a uh, Axio Mutante, Day of the Beast. Both of those rock. Highly recommend if you wind up liking Perdita Durango. I, I Day of the Beast is on my uh, list to check out. Any, uh, go ahead. I I I I, uh, I sideswiped you from uh, talking about movies you were watching. Oh, you're fine. Yeah. So I got a Body Melt, one that I haven't watched in. Uh, Body Melt is awesome. Yeah, well, I haven't watched it in like ten years since Netflix was like, you know, eight dollars a month, and it was like mostly b-horror movies and underground low-budget shit was the first time i ever watched it and uh i don't remember anything about that movie apparently other than the opening so like the lady's placenta murders a man and she explodes and shit it's like oh this is (laughs) yeah it's a movie that you watch to see what can happen to a person's body like again kind of like this movie fairly like thin on the plot but maybe a little bit more substance because it's probably trying to say something about like capitalism and yeah whatnot and wealth and x y and z but yeah what a what a great goo movie that's so good i got in the peter zulkin 
Tetralogy. I have no idea who that is. So he is a uh, Polish Polish filmmaker. Super unfamiliar with him, but I watched their like little trailer and was like, "Oh, this shit looks great." Mm-hmm. So I watched the first one, Gollum, about a uh, a post apocalyptic future where there's rumors going around that scientists have been like experimenting and are just creating like new humans to populate the world and that they're like made of clay and it follows one of the one of the guys one of their experiments that they just like modeled him after a dude who just died him like trying to integrate in society and figure out what the fuck's going on and why everyone's being so weird to him because he doesn't realize that he's a golem that's actually a pretty interesting concept yeah it's it's really good like low budget 80s polish sci-fi so I don't know anything about Polish cinema, let alone Polish sci-fi yeah. or horror. Same. I, but, uh, the only thing I know about Poland is every time a metal band comes out of Poland, suddenly someone they're Nazis. They're Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like every time, like without doubt, it's like, wow, this is so cool. They're Nazis. <laughs> yeah. Like fuck. Yeah, he's got a in that box. He like has. War of the Worlds 2 is one of the movies. So it's just like a random independent Polish follow-up to War of the Worlds or like remake of War of the Worlds. So Poland did the Italy thing. Yeah. And I'm very excited to to watch that one this weekend. <laughs> Anything else worth mentioning? Uh, I got one called Death Magic. And it is some kids like resurrect a uh, civil war general using a Ouija board on the cover. It's just, I mean, it looks exactly like Will Forte with a mustache <laughs> in a, in a fucking like Southern general's outfit. It's, it's, fucking it Will, it's, like, it's Will Arnett from Jonah Hex. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like it costs like $20 to make. And I, I can't wait. I can't wait to experience it. Awesome. Uh, well, recently I have watched Castle Freak. Uh, Hell yeah. I thought it was pretty good. Was not prepared how violent the one scene was. I had yeah. no idea about that. And holy shit. Like, so we've we've really grown to like a lot of the Stuart Gordon, Brian Yuzna stuff. Like, it's yeah. really kind of just hits, like, kind of in the middle. Like, it's not really scary, but like all the effects are good, and you know they use a lot of the same actors, and uh, yeah, that was whoo. But I did like I, overall, I liked it. Um, watched the Devil's Backbone, which I thought was very very good. I got the Criterion of that. Watched Enigma, which has Death by Slugs. Oh yeah, awesome. Street Trash. <laughs> the part, what a banger. What a banger. The part where the bums play patty cake with one of the dudes severed dicks. Yeah. Fucking another scene that Sarah walked in on. <laughs> Finally watched. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was gonna say there's there's a cut of Street Trash that cuts out the like severed dick keep away game, and I'm so glad I didn't watch that cut first because I would have been mad as shit that I missed Not out. The one that. that I watched. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I did like Street Trash. It was good, but I was just like, wow, this. Is-. Well, one, it was shot in Brooklyn. Like they're walking around places. And I'm like, I know exactly where this is. Yeah. And number two, like I just was like, wow, they just go for it. This movie is yeah. out of control. <laughs> Finally watched Dead Ringers by Cronenberg, which I thought Hell was yeah. 
fucking great. Uh, and uh, Layla just wrote an article about the new TV series, right? Yep. Uh, watched Hellraiser 6, Hellseeker, which is just as fucking That's... weird and stupid as Hellraiser 5, yeah. but still hitting that solid, ridiculous, but fun yeah. level for me. Hellseeker is uh, the one I always forget about. Because it's the same movie as as five, essentially, but they play it serious as opposed to five, which has the guy from Nightbreed, Nightbreed. in it. So there's just like a lot of like, like a lot of like yelling and grimacing. Whereas six has, speaking of mayhem, has mayhem from the Allstate commercials in it. <laughs> so. The whole time I'm watching it, it's just him being like, what am I doing here? You know, like he's <laughs> just like has like the grim voice. Yeah. So, yeah, very 2000s, but extremely stupid. Barely a Hellraiser movie, but I had a good time watching it. We saw that Evil Dead Rise was on Max, so we checked that out. I don't remember what you thought about it, but I I thought I, I kind of wish they would do something a little bit different with the Evil Dead formula at this point. Yeah. Like they, it just every single thing about the Evil Dead formula happens in this movie. And I thought maybe they were just going to like kind of get away from the shotgun and the chainsaw, but they didn't. I dug it and I thought it was fun, but I agree. Like I'm kind of starting to get tired of every Evil Dead movie is the same movie, essentially. The original trilogy, they're all tonally very different. It's like the first one is horrific and then the second one is horror comedy and then the third one is just like straight up goofy and then like the remake is just fucking brutal and i actually like i like the remake overall i think it's good and i thought the show was pretty good for the first two seasons definitely did the like army of darkness stuff really well i thought and this one i thought was like it was kind of tough because they to figure out what it was doing tonally because they were it was very serious, but there were more than a few moments where they tried to do the slapstick stuff. Yeah. It was like, it didn't really like stick the landing a hundred percent. I feel like there's so much cool stuff you could do by bringing it into the city. Yeah. And they just did the same thing as one where it's like, Oh, it's just, you know, instead of the cabin now, it's just an apartment, not even a very cramped apartment, like a, a fairly spacious apartment. So like, it's not as wild as they kind of sell you on. It's like, ah, oh, Evil Dead comes to the city. Like, ah, I mean, the same thing, but the forest is now a hallway and, you know, the cabin's an apartment now. Yeah, so I think if this was, like, the last movie to do something strictly to the formula, it would be better if they were going to do another movie. Um, but in terms of, like, what was I did like about it, like, I thought the gore was generally pretty good and i think they did a good job with just like a lot of it yeah uh, and the main actress was really good like yeah. she was probably the highlight of the movie yeah for sure the mom that becomes like the main deadite yeah i think also also did a great job oh yeah that's who i meant that's who i meant oh, okay like i thought that i i considered her like the star of the movie fair because <laughs> i mean she basically is yeah like i thought she did a really good job and then I also watched a movie that you, well, as of this recording, the episode will not have come out, but by the time this episode comes out, it will have come out. I watched suitably in conjunction with you, uh, There's Nothing Out There, which is like okay. kind of a bonus metal movie because it does have a group of like metalheads or punks yeah. in it that I 
thought we're all gonna die and then just sort of disappear from the movie. <laughs> I, I forget uh, what thrash band shows up in it. Me and oh, me it's and Nathan um, talked about it. It's Killjoy, a yeah, band Killjoy. I've never heard about uh, uh, at all. Uh, but um, I did read about them, and apparently they were extremely short-lived. So, like, almost all the dudes in Killjoy are in a thrash band that I did know about and, like, called Cabal. Okay. They only had one album called Midian, and obviously all of it's Nightbreed shit, Cabal, wow. Midian. Yeah. But that's a really good album. I'm going to uh, check, check that out. Yeah, I, I, I liked it, you know, and as much as, like, it's not technically great uh you can tell it's extremely low budget but i really like all the commitment to it and everything yes like that. and it's also fascinating that it was you know five years before scream because it's supposed to be like a self-aware kind of movie yeah which i think by today's I, standards it's a little bit dated it's like, very on the nose one of the guys even grabs a boom mic and like I, yeah. off of the boom mic through a window that was so weird, and I was not expecting that, like, where it kind of broke the fourth wall, like... Really caught me off guard. Yeah, I was, like, shocked. I thought it was... Because, I, because it like, the boom mic shows up, and I'm like, oh, ha, they left a blooper. I'm like, oh, he... Oh, okay. So we're doing that thing where they're, like, kind of aware they're in a... It was weird, but the monster was a fucking hoot, and, uh, you know, it just kind of flies by, and it's yeah. cool that this guy did it for, like whatever like a thousand dollars and clearly just really likes horror movies but man everyone looks so fucking weird in that movie because i know they're like not actors but like there's like the like i thought it was really funny that the main guy who was ostensibly a fucking nerd did not look like a nerd but then like the guy yeah. who straight up looked like the biggest nerd with the glasses and like the weird like receding hairline had like <laughs> like a smoking hot girlfriend from like <laughs> something i love the the proto randy character it's just like the big jock guy he's the annoying fucking dork it's like what yeah it, it was a it was a very uh weird odd but fun uh uh romp and then in terms of like not horror movies that i watched uh i also watched cruising which oh, I really yeah. liked, like, major Giallo vibes, as Nathan has pointed out, uh, which I really liked about it. Although Al Pacino is really bad at drinking orange juice in that movie and also <laughs> might feature one of the greatest scenes of all time with Slap Cop. If you don't know what that is, yeah. look it up on YouTube. <laughs> Fucking awesome. And I also watched uh, Double Team, which I think is my first foray into Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. Oh, really? Yeah, and that's a terrible first foray. <laughs> do you like it or do you just think it's fucking I, stupid? I love JCVD with all my heart, and that movie is fucking bad. <laughs> it's so insane it, and like fueled no by fucking like, no, like absolutely not. It's so dumb. It's so fueled by cocaine and ad revenue. Yeah, like and they're just like we can absolutely monetize Dennis Rodman at the peak of his basketball career. We'll team up with JCVD, also real popular, but we're just going to have no idea what to do with them. So, I mean, this that movie was clearly uh, Rodman wanted to be in a movie, and yeah. they were like, let's just put him in the next Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. 100%. We don't need to explain anything about their relationship <laughs> or whatever. And, and then they realized, like, partway through filming like oh rodman can't fucking act so 
what if we just like cut him out of the middle hour and we send Jean-Claude to like a weird island where he has to fight a bunch of people? <laughs> he has to hang out with fucking Belloc from Raiders of the Lost Ark in like <laughs> fucking you know the patriots from metal gear solid like serving yeah. <laughs> the world preventing crime it's like oh, well, it's so stupid like you're, we, too, you're too valuable to kill but you're also too valuable to just like let go so here's like weird island for you to live on yeah i mean it's a movie where uh jean-claude van damme peels off a layer of his like thumb to peel off his fingerprints which is really gross and fucking mickey rourke jacked out to like beyond all hell goes out in a blaze of glory with a fucking tiger that was high on pcp maybe the final showdown rocks pretty hard and yeah. also that hotel fight where the dude has a knife between his toes and is trying to stab jean-claude van damme yeah how is he oh, holding so that knife i have no idea my toe grip strength is not that good they just don't make them like they used to. <laughs> Amen. Uh, and I also watched Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, and Dominion. Yeah. I'm going to echo uh, Nathan's sentiment. Those movies are fucking hot garbage. Holy fucking shit. Every single day, like, I edge closer to hate watching them. That's what I, I did. On. I mean, I just was like, I got to just peel the Band-Aid off and... I did not like the first one, and holy shit. Same. <laughs> like, Jurassic World I thought was bad, and these two are, like, worse. Oh, God, just just the most, like, stupid, pilled Hollywood nonsense, and I have such a low tolerance for Chris Pratt. Like, yep. Like, I don't even know if this is a compliment, but, like, at least Dominion looked better, I guess, but, like, Fallen Kingdom had that, like, garish like washed out look because it's really bright man dominion is almost three hours long and it's a movie about dinosaurs living amongst us and it was like that wasn't interesting enough so they added in fucking locusts as like the main <laughs> bill. it's so terrible it's fucking it's it's, remember, it's unforgivably bad i remember reading that and was like what it's like one review where they're like oh, this is actually just a movie about locusts and the dinosaurs are just kind of there I'm like the dinosaurs are just a minor inconvenience to life. It's fucking terrible. It's fucking awful. Just dog shit. The world would be a much better place if for the fourth Jurassic Park movie, they just did the hybrid raptor soldiers thing that they were originally going to do. Remember when, like, that was a thing? <laughs> would have been, been great. Just give me the weird velociraptor men, like, and the military trying to use them. It's it's funny because I actually uh, there was a whole run of comics that came out after the Jurassic Park movies that get into all of this really weird esoteric shit like, you know, covert military operations and like breeding raptors in captivity to use as like weapons and shit like that. So they just stole all of this from a bunch of comic books in the 90s that nobody fucking read. <laughs> I even have one where a guy is like, I'm making my own dinosaurs and I'm hoping to achieve like other level existence of reality with them and communicate with aliens. Like, <laughs> that's how quickly they ran out of ideas for Jurassic Park. And then they were like, you know, those comics from the 90s were stupid. Let's make them into a movie and not pay them any royalties. Yeah. <laughs> they, they could have done the Dino Crisis 3 thing and just done dinosaurs in space.
at this point, go for it. Just get rid of Chris Pratt. Yeah, please get rid of Chris Pratt. Get rid of the whole cast. Just start yeah. over. Bryce Dallas Howard is fucking awful. At least in the first <sighs> one, she was awful. I can't imagine she gets better. <laughs> she's really bad in both of them. And she's like a, she's like a dinosaur rights activist, which I'm like, oh, God. Like, I get Hell what you're yeah. going for, but like you can't compare like you can't do this like it just falls so the commentary falls extremely flat on its face it's so terrible there's dinosaurs yeah basically there's clones of people they introduce clones of people i've heard that also like the big the big twist at the end of the second one is like this little girl is a clone like what why why do we have clones now i i hope i hope the jurassic park series it, it's Dies. not. Uh, it's not. Apparently, there's a TV show in the works now, and it's going to be based more on the book. And I'm like, just please stop. It's just yeah, we don't just need stop. to do this. We all know it's not going to be something I actually have been enjoying. I've been watching um, Delocated, and that show fucking rules. Um, I don't know what that is. Oh, really? It's um, it's from like like Aqua Teen era. Adult Swim, and it's okay. a show by John Glazer, and basically he plays a guy that goes into the witness protection program, but he films a reality TV show about it, so <laughs> about his daily exploits being, for all intents and purposes, a fucking asshole. But the thing is, like, he's disguised because he's in the witness protection program, so he's wearing like a black ski mask the entire time, and then he has like a permanent voice dropper, so he just, you know, all of his dialogue just sounds like this. <laughs> It's, it's fucking hilarious. It's so good. It, it's got Eugene Merman in it. Todd Barry just plays himself. Fuck yeah. It's so good. Highly recommend. Um, I'm in. Finished Neon Genesis, Evangelion Rewatch. Still perfect. Fucking love that show. Uh, we started the new season of The Righteous Gemstones. Uh, we really liked the first two seasons, but this one I'm kind of struggling to figure out what the plot's going to be. So kind of a weak start so far. I haven't watched either episode just yet. I need to... I really like the first two seasons a lot. Same. Um, I'm definitely a fan of the the Danny McBride HBO shows. You know, we'll see what happens. And then we also, Sarah watched it and then watched it again with me. We watched the rehearsal with Nathan Fielder. And I overall really liked it. I thought it was super fucking weird, but I God. thought it was good. That's one where you think it's going to be one thing for the first, like, few episodes. And then it really kind of spirals out into a totally different show by the end. And it's like, what the fuck am I watching here? Yeah, extremely so strange. Yeah, so good. I really liked it. I overall really liked it. Somehow I found time to read again. Uh, so I finished the third book in the Guillermo del Toro Chuck Hogan vampire trilogy, The Strain, and that was pretty not good. Yes. <laughs> Fuck. It, was, it was not great. Uh, del Toro definitely checked out on that one. Uh, <laughs> It just it's didn't like, wrap I'm up. Over this now. Like, he was whatever. he was like off making Pacific Rim or something. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. It just didn't wrap up very well or interesting. And uh, right now I'm finishing up Nosferatu by Joe Hill, which has been like I guess good, but like it's very overwritten. It doesn't need to be 700 pages. Um, and runs just, in the family. You know what else runs in the uh, the the family? Terrible endings. Uh, well, I haven't finished it, but yeah. J- but Stephen King's dislike of fat people uh, has translated into his son. And uh, yeah, there's just some really like poorly written things, especially about people who are clearly like not white in this. Just yeah, um, it's weird to see this on like a lot of best of lists from 2015. And uh, I have also been getting into the 
William Gibson first draft of Alien 3 turned into a novel. Oh, Christ. Oh, what a piece of shit. <laughs> okay, so I thought it was like, I think it's been a little bit rough going going into it. Because I remember you, I think I saw you post a picture of it and you were like very excited to read it. And so was I. And I'm kind of like, hmm. I was very excited to read it. And oh my God. That like... The writing is not out. great. It's awful. There's a so uh, many references to the second movie. Ugh, it's pretty it's frustrating. Annoying, fanservicey kind of shit, and it's also that very quippy, like Marvel style, yeah, dialogue throughout. Mm-hmm. Like, there's I posted this on my Twitter, uh, but it was like a screenshot of one page where like. The entire page is a woman who kills an alien, and she's like, I did that. I just did that. That just happened. Oh, my God. Like, kind of shit. And I was just like, I hate this so much. This is the worst. This is the worst fucking thing I've ever read. Like, just... Uh, I have some I have some weird... I mean, I don't know. I have kind of, what? like, weird feelings about Alien 3 as a whole. But, like, man, it's just such, like, a cursed entity of film. I like the movie, and I was very excited for whatever William Gibson's draft was going to be. And there's definitely some, like, cool ideas in it. But overall, having finished the book, I think it is way weaker than what the movie actually wound up being. Like, just yeah, from I, a story perspective. And, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I'm, I feel like if William Gibson got to finish it, it might have been good. And there's so many characters that it's really hard to keep track of a lot of them, too. Yeah. And they're all bad. They're all like annoying. not like in aliens where there's a lot of characters, but then a lot of them just fucking die. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I think it's going to be a bit of a slog to get where, through because I don't really like love it. Wherever you are, I promise you it gets worse. Great. I'm only like, I don't know, maybe like 80 pages in. Oh, see, like. The first, like, 150 are still pretty promising. Mm. And then after that, it's like, mm. And then by, you know, halfway point to page, like, 240 or something, it's like, okay, this is not good. And it just gets worse. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, hopefully I can pull something else out of my pile to read soon. God's and then, <laughs> and then uh, some uh, music recommendations that I've been enjoying lately. Um, or have you been listening to anything that you've been digging? Let me let me open up my Bandcamp because I've I've been very bad at keeping up with music this mm-hmm. year. Ossuary just dropped a, a new little EP the other day. It's really good. Uh, the Ossuary or Ossuary? So Ossuary. I know there's like twenty bands. That are like ossuary. Yeah, so, I, I know a, like an Italian stoner metal band called The Ossuary. These guys are from Philadelphia. Okay, definitely uh, not the band. I'm EP thinking. is called Forsaken Offerings. Very good, like death doom kind of stuff. Uh, the new Coffin Mulch album I listened to the other day. Really good. Colin Marston from uh, Kralis. That new Kralis album fucking is awesome. So this is another new band of his because he needs to have a new band every two weeks or he will die. Uh, 
It's called Paroxysm Unit, and it's like brutal death metal kind of stuff, which I'm usually not a big fan of, but this album's so fucking stupid, it rips way into it. They're doing a show at St. Vitus, and and they're doing two sets where they are opening for themselves. (laughs) Just so good. I I love the idea that it's like, basically just all of the Kralis dudes and they just like, you know, one band finishes up and then everyone just kind of like trades places and then they just start the next set. Mm-hmm. Trade places and <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> you like, don't have to unload any gear or anything. Just like, all right, let's swap spots on the stage. Yeah. It's like when I saw Mismore at Decibel Metal and Beer Fest and then I saw Hell the next day. <laughs> it was the same band. Yeah. It's like, oh, you guys just stayed on the stage for a day, huh? Yeah, basically. Uh, Colony Drop do like a like death thrash kind of stuff. They just released a new song. Their album comes out here in a couple months, but it rocks. And then, of course, the Spectral Voice Undergong split has been getting all of my playtime. I did think that was good. Yeah, liked it. I'm not really that familiar with. Is it Undergong or Undergang? Undergang. Undagong. Well, I'm not very familiar with them. Uh, obviously, Spectral Voice, I think it's very good. If you like toilet death metal, highly recommend it. All right. <laughs> uh, I really loved the new Fantafaxith album, Hive Mind Necrosis. Oh, yeah. I need to spend more time with that one. Very dissonant black metal or tornado music, as I like to call it. <laughs> That's, um, fitting. That's a fitting description. I listened to all of the Ludicra albums because R.I.P. that band. I'm sorry I found out about you so late. Very good band. The new Godflesh album, Purge, is fucking awesome. I think it's a bit more subdued, but like it's great. It's dirty, grimy, bleak. It's grim, but there's like some dub and hip hop influence on it that I think is really cool. Like it's not like literally like hip hop, but you could hear it in there. Also, R.I.P. Graf Warlock. They put out a new and final album it's an ep called end credits i'm sad, sad that they're calling it quits but i'd rather them go out on a high note and this is a really good swan song ep what a band uh, i know i hope they do some last rounds of touring i would like to see them same the boris uniform collab bright new disease uh was really good i saw a uniform open for boris in 2019 i think and they joined forces for a song towards the end of that set so this wasn't surprising that they collabed and i wasn't really sure what to expect from it because it's boris but it fucking rocks and it leans pretty heavy into harsh industrial but you know all the other aspects of the band the respective band's music is there too and definitely does not overstay its welcome at a tight 32 minutes which i thought was nice and lastly, uh, in terms of like actual Rex, I found out about this band through Toilet of Hell called Oromet, Oromet, or O R O M E T. It's their debut album. I guess it's like Death Doom, but it kind of reminds me of like it has some like Earth qualities to it. Uh, so it's like very nice atmospheric metal, very slow, beautiful riffs. Rips. Lots of slow, beautiful riffs, some ambient sections. Uh, I think if you like the new Ahab record, you'll like this. Okay. And uh, this is not a wreck, but I suppose I have to weigh in on it. Regardless, I did listen to the new Queens of the Stone Age album in Times New Roman, and uh, that sure is an album. I haven't I haven't listened to it yet. I didn't like the last one at all. No, neither which, did I. Which is a bummer, because I liked, like, Clockwork 
a whole lot. So listening to that last one, album I, was like, is, ah, I don't care. That album is almost too good. Yeah. And then I don't know what the fuck they did on Villains, but I thought that album yeah, wasn't my jam. Uh, this album was an improvement because it wasn't that, but it's also, I felt to be extremely mid. Just like, I was just kind of like, whatever. Yeah. I'll have to give it a listen and see, but I'm not terribly excited to check it out, to be honest. <laughs> I think it's wholly unnecessary. Um, recent shows I went to, I went to see Resin and Oryx at the Broadway, which was great to see two bands that had previously been on the Diary of Doom podcast. Saw the aforementioned Ludacra with Sonia and Half at St. Vitus. And then we also went to go see the Eels at Webster Hall. Sarah's a big fan of the Eels. I need Half to come to town. They were great. I didn't even know they were from New Jersey either. I thought they were fucking oh, yeah. awesome. We were talking about Vinegar Syndrome and Severin before, but I'm going to shout out Vinegar Syndrome for their Black Friday sale and doing the being good folks about the, the Showgirls disc issue um, and sending those out. But uh, my previous purchase from them... Uh, I got From Beyond, which fucking rules. Both love that movie. Oh, yeah. uh, Dolomite, Dead Heat, R.I.P. Treat Williams, and Cthulhu Mansion, which I assume has nothing to do with Cthulhu, but I bought it simply <laughs> because it's called Cthulhu Mansion. I'd say like 80% of the movies I buy from them are blind buys. Almost all of them are totally worth watching, even if the titles are lies like Cthulhu Mansion. So far, I have enjoyed everything that I've watched from Severin or Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, I think Vinegar Syndrome has a little bit more stuff that's kind of up my wheelhouse. Yeah, um, same. Arrow, too. Arrow yeah. and Vinegar Syndrome, like, really, like, really doing a good job with, like, the, the, the stuff that I like. Yeah, Severin's more hit or miss. Like, this most recent round is like, oh, there's a lot of things in here I'm interested in, whereas... You know, usually it's maybe one movie. I'll be like, oh, that piques my interest. And then you're like, oh, this is porn. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, What's okay. anything wrong with porn? We're just saying not necessarily a movie, a traditional cinema, if you will. I'd watch it, but it's not one that I want to own. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a shout out, but I heard that Nicolas Cage is going to be in Dead by Daylight. Yeah. His character model looks very off-putting. Is it like uh, uh, Uncanny Valley? Yeah, it's a bit of that, and it's like 85% resemblance. Like, there's just mm -hmm. enough wrong with it where it's like... What does he look like? Does he just look like he did in, like, Mandy or something? Closer to Renfield. But okay. Like, just, uh, it's just like a normal Nicolas Cage. Like, as normal as Nicolas off, Cage. Yeah, off-duty off Nicolas Cage. All right, well, here's my pitch for the next celebrity featured. Danzig. <laughs> yes. Catch is that if the victim bumps into him, he gets knocked over immediately because he got laid out by that one dude so easily in that video. <laughs> Fucking Cottonmouth King guy. Was it Cottonmouth King? I think it was I like, it was Cotton. No, I think it was like North Northeast Kings or something like that. Oh, maybe that's what it was. I don't know. The point is Danzig got laid out very easily after yelling at the guy and saying, fuck you, motherfucker, or something like that. Uh, and he has one powerful shout attack that he can't use again because he has an eternal wheeze meter that never exits the red. <laughs> so that's my way of saying we've got a Danzig episode coming out down the line, and y'all probably know what it's going to be, but I'll leave it at that. I love Glenn so much, but he's so I, bad. When I, was, I know. When he's I was so in, bad. When I was in Portland, uh, we were at a thrift store and Sarah was like, do you want this? And she pulled out a t-shirt 
and it was a Danzig t-shirt. And I was like, sure, I don't even like Danzig that much, but like as a person, I don't like him that much, but I yeah. mean, I'll buy this. Cause like, you know, I'm from fucking New Jersey and I do enjoy some of those Danzig albums. They're so stupid, but they are. Pretty- <laughs> I went and saw the, the uh, Misfits reunion show like Halloween last year. It was great. They sounded good. Except for Glenn, who he sounded okay, but like for long stretches, he would just like let fucking Jerry sing the songs, which like it's a minute and a half long song and you've got winded like two lines in and now you're letting Jerry just sing the song like, come on, man. (laughs) He's just such a fucking joke. Yeah, I mean, it. I think I, I think Joe said something like it was just insane to go see the Misfits be this like sloppy wheezing mess, and then like go see Merciful Fate a couple weeks after that, and like yeah. and just fucking like killing it. Kid, is there anything you want to plug or uh, tell people to check out? Of course, you can uh, check out my podcast. I hope you suffer. Uh, I believe it is. I hope you suffer podcast on Instagram. Our Twitter got nuked ages ago and <laughs> just had no interest in starting it up. <laughs> I can't even go on Twitter anymore. Yesterday, I just couldn't get onto it at all. Uh, I've kind of tried today and I, it's bad. I Twitter's, Twitter's dying a slow death. Yep, we're doing, our, we're doing our monthly Twitter check-in. Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter if you want to like hang out for the final month that is around. The uh, death news. At, yeah, at Hidden Kitstery. Or my Instagram, Kitrification of Blood, if you want to see my dog. <laughs> it's basically what I post on there now. Blue Sky coming soon, probably. Who knows? What is, oh, is that the alternative Twitter? Uh, Blue Sky is like a Jack Dorsey just started up Twitter again, essentially. It's, but it's like super small, like private beta, essentially. So you need an invite to get in. So like my entire Twitter timeline has just been people like, hey, if you have a Blue Sky invite can you can you send one to me so i can get out of here <laughs> oh fuck that i'm not noise. i'm not getting I'm, this shit I'm, I'm torn i want to keep up with all my all my twitter friends but i don't want to start a whole new social media thing that's i mean that's very fair and like you know it should be acknowledged that like twitter was and will remain until it's die until its final days um you know a place where a lot of people formed a lot of important friendships but also fuck that i'm not getting on it yeah <laughs> I think I'm going to go down with the ship. Hey, you know what? You don't own the company, so you'll be able to jump off and get onto a very large piece of plywood with enough room, you know, for Jack and what's her name from the Titanic to get on, or at least a knife wrap. You'll be fine. I saw saw someone tweet like, I've been here since 2010. I got squatter's rights. It's like, (laughs) yeah. I, you know, I could reactivate my account and say, I've been here since 2009, but I don't feel like it. (laughs) better off without it uh you can visit my website at diaryofdoom.com to check out the podcast along with uh, my concert photography which is being slowly updated or you can follow the podcast along on diaryofdoom.podbean.com you can follow diary of doom slash movies from green hell on instagram at diary of doom that's where all the updates here will be posted you can like it on facebook and you can subscribe and listen to it on apple podcasts and spotify or whatever shady podcast streaming you want app you want to use and if you want to suggest a movie for me to discuss on the podcast, you can fire off an email to diaryofdoom1968 gmail.com or send me a dm on instagram or whatever you want to do. And uh, we'll be back next time with another heavy metal movie. Uh, That'll do it for this episode of Movies from Green Hell.
thank you again, Kit, for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. And we actually watched a decent, we watched a movie this yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, a very watchable, like, hey, decent film. I don't know, I think Jonah Hex might have been only about 80 minutes too, but it felt like two hours. It felt so long. <laughs> it was possibly long.